Welcome to episode 23 of Jesus and the Meteorologists. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I'm your host. Our subject is discernment, and our aim is to teach, to elevate your minds, and to exalt your courage, to accelerate and animate your industry and activity, and to excite in you an ambition to excel in every capacity, faculty, and virtue. Our mission is to inspire young men and women and their parents to understand the present in order to prepare for the future, a task that necessarily demands a proper interpretation of the past. Our aim is to highlight the antithesis between the way of the Lord and the ways of the world, between the truth of Scripture and the opinions of men, so that we might reflect the light of life in a culture of death. Well, today I'm going to take a little hiatus from our recent focus on my new book, Apologetic for Liberty, so that I may tell you what I learned on a recent trip to the Sunshine State. It seems like everybody's taking a hiatus. Our offices of hypothesis have taken a long vacation. We're going to take a little one. Last week, which by the time this episode's released will actually be a month or more in the past, but I digress, I took my wife on a little retreat to Florida, a state which should also be regarded as the Liberty State, thanks to the courage and conviction of the state's governor, Ron DeSantis, who happens, by the way, to be the only American governor at present, and by American, I mean American by ideas, by worldview. Ron DeSantis is the only governor in America today who consistently governs from the framework of our founding, which is to say he acts as though he is truly animated by the understanding that our rights come from God, and that the role of government is limited to securing those God-given rights, as opposed to, say, chasing other fantasies like controlling your health or destroying your wealth or perhaps looking the other way when big business tramples on your liberties as our own governor in Tennessee is wont to do. But again, I digress. Ron DeSantis, in fact, was one of the principal motivations for our trip to Florida. Governor DeSantis was headlining a national Hillsdale College event in Naples, and we were privileged to be among the 900 invited guests to hear him give remarks and to answer audience questions. It was encouraging to be among friends of freedom. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. It is what transpired before Ron DeSantis took the stage that serves as our topic. In our next segment, I'm going to regale you with my adventure with Hertz, the car rental company, and what that experience can reveal to us about the power of God and the pretensions of men. You are listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. There are citizens in Tennessee working to reclaim the practice of self-governance in our state and ensure that a constitutional Republican form of government is preserved to future generations. We are Tennessee Stands. Do you want to get off the sidelines and learn how to stand for liberty in your community? Join us at TennesseeStands.org and on social media at Tennessee Stands. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologists, a weekly squidget devoted to the topic of discernment. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I am your host. And today in the studio, we're munching on a little munchies. Uh, my munchies are barbecue chips. Roger, what are yours? Uh, Cheetos. Yours are, oh, um, mine are simply Cheetos Crunchy White Cheddar. Who oh, are you? Wait, 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 wait. Who are you? 
Oh, I'm Penelope, by the way. Mm-hmm. And in the studio, the also doesn't know her by her voice now. <clears throat> Maybe they're not listening as often as they should be. And across the table <laughs> from me, directly, all of our three listeners, <laughs> directly across the table from me, is Winnie. Winnie is back. Welcome yes. back, Winnie. Thank you. <laughs> so. I noticed that Daddy opened up. His, oh. uh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Wait. I I like that. Go ahead. I noticed that. I Mr. noticed Cookie that. G. I noticed that you opened up your bag of chips upside down. Hmm. You did. Either that, or you're standing on your head. He's going against the ways <laughs> of the world. <laughs> <laughs> what an insult! <laughs> no, it's a good thing. It's a good mm. thing we're not supposed to be like the world. Yes, <laughs> but why are all of us in the world? Not yeah, well, apparently we're like. Apparently these icebergs are very snowflakey today. <laughs> all right, let me get you on back on track then. Um, I don't want to interrupt myself from time to time. I'm going to, but I don't want to have to keep um, reintroducing you as icebergs are where we are. So before we get going with our discussion of my little incident with Hertz, why don't we uh, officially now enter the... Houses of Analysis. Which, by the way, is that glorious and most interesting of places between the ears, right? What's between your ears? The head. (laughs) No! (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking, It's your brain, your mind. Your mind. Yes, the palaces of analysis is actually that glorious and most interesting of places between the ears where critical thought is brought to bear in order to discern big lessons from little things, general rules from particular experiences, all in order to draw our attention always to what God reveals. As uh, Cornelius Van Til used to explain, if the God of the Bible created everything and every event— then everything and every event must by necessity reveal something about the triune God of Scripture. So, back to my story. For background, it's relevant to know that I've been a Hertz Gold member for 20, 20 plus years. I used to travel extensively in the convenience of bypassing the rental car counter and going straight to your car saves oodles of time standing around. In recent years, Hertz has in some locations allowed its Gold customers to pick their own car from a group of a dozen or so cars in the lot. This is typically a good thing, but on our arrival in Naples, Florida, the, quote, pick what you want, end quote, service at Hertz ended up costing me. So first, we got to, uh, I saw my name on the board, but it didn't have a number, so I asked the attendant, where's my car? And he said, oh, you can pick whatever you want. I'm like, all right. So my wife and I went to the first car, I think it was a Ford Fusion, Put all put our two bags in there and my suit coat that I was traveling with, a blazer. A blazer that went to a suit. A pinstripe blazer. A pinstripe blazer. Navy blue. It's important important point to remember for later in the story. And um, after fiddling around for about a minute, we re- realized that the car did not have a key in it. They always put the key in the car so you can just hop in and go. The car didn't have a key in it, so we got out of that car. The, the attendants were busy with some other customers, so we said, ah, just go to the car next to us. Went to the next car, put all of our things in the back seat, but wanted to put our big suitcase in the trunk. Couldn't manipulate the trunk of this. Kept trying to pull up, find the little button so that you'd, you know, do the hatchback. Mm-hmm. It was a hatchback. Couldn't get that working. <laughs> so then after struggling with that and seeing that the attendants who were about 50 <clears throat> feet away were dealing with others said, uh, let's go to the next car. My wife said, oh, how about this one down here? She found a car two or three spaces away. I think that one was a white Chevy. We hopped into that car and put everything into the back of the car, 
and the back door. So we had some, some stuff in the trunk, some in the seat behind us, hopped in, and then realized, oh, this car is kind of old. It didn't have a USB port for my phone charger. It didn't, and it also didn't have a uh, regular, like a 110 outlet. Mm-hmm. All it had was an old um, cigarette lighter. Sounds like my car. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a cigarette lighter um, adapter. So we got out of that car and went back to the hatchback that I couldn't open because the attendant now was walking to us. She said, oh, by the way, I see you were trying to get into that car. Um, it opens from the side, not from the back. We're like, oh, okay. Well, that's pretty cool. Motion to my wife. Which opens from the side. Yeah. So it wasn't a hatch. It was a hitch. <laughs> so I, I motioned to my wife and I said, come on down. Uh, let's get in this car and let's get on our way. She came up, brought the suitcase. I went down and brought the other suitcase. We had two bags with us. And uh, made sure I had my keys and my phone and got in the car and took off. We drove down I-75. I-75 is about 30 miles south of the um, Southwest Regional Airport in Fort Myers, Florida. And as we're driving, uh, heading to go see Governor Ron DeSantis, I kept looking at my watch, making sure we're going to get there in time for dinner. And then the um, the remarks of DeSantis after dinner And I saw to the left going north on I-75, all the traffic was stopped. And I thought, man, I'm glad we're not going north or we wouldn't get there in time. Had no idea. There wasn't a wreck. It didn't appear. just appeared to be a lot of traffic around rush hour. Anyway, we get to the hotel. And because there's 900 guests at this event, uh, more than half of them were not staying at this particular hotel. So the valet were going crazy. And it took us a while to get the attention of any valet and so I finally said to my wife, let's go in and just check in. We'll come back and get the car, and I'll park it, self-park it. And at that moment, I went to the car and realized, oh, I don't have my jacket. My, jacket. My, my, my pinstripe <laughs> navy blue blazer, I recognized at that moment, just had a big sinking feeling, was left in one of those rental cars at the Naples airport, 35 miles north of where we were. And so I thought, well, let me first call to make sure the good news was I hadn't left my keys or my phone in it, but I did leave. I'm asthmatic. So I left my inhaler in the left pocket and I left my readers, $10 readers in the right pocket. So it wasn't urgent in that regard. However, I only brought one suit and that night the dress was formal. And so I knew I was going to be sitting in a room with 900 other ladies and gentlemen dressed in dresses and suits. And I now didn't have my suit coat. I had pinstripe pants <laughs> that go with the suit, but no no jacket to wear with it. I was in jeans and in Oxford at that point. So it was more about feeling kind of underdressed and, and bringing attention to myself for the wrong reasons that I wanted to get my coat. So I tried to call Hertz, and as we're in line checking in at the hotel, I went through the automated service of Hertz because that's all they had. But they gave it, – it began – let me say it this way. I started with a local Hertz number in Naples. It was a Naples phone number and it said local Hertz agent. But when you call the number, it immediately routed me to the international system. And there I was in the queue behind who knows however however many people. And you know when you get into those automated services, it takes you a long time. First of all, the lady, the, the voice recording goes on forever. And um, – The next thing that happens is she finally gets to the point. She says, if you want this, and then she goes through the list, dial one, two, three. Had to wait till I got to three, which was to talk to a local agent. I got to three, hit the number, and finally, 
right? Thinking, I first got very excited. I'm going to talk to somebody and say, hey, I was just there an hour ago. Here's what happened. Has that white car been rented yet? Please go into it and pull my suit jacket out. Well, I got to about 20 rings, and then the number just cut off. And I was back to the drawing board. So I did that a second time, went through the same exact process, and got the same exact result. Got to the point where I was dialing the local number. Right? I'm 20 sorry. times. Percy and then you're trying to reach his voicemail box. Yeah, not, not even that. Yet. Not even that, though, right? Just second. completely cut off. By that time, um, my wife had been checked in, so I said, why don't you go up to the room, get changed. I'll drive up to the airport, and now I had to make the decision. I'm going to miss dinner, but I'll be back in time to hear the governor. And <laughs> I got on the highway, and there's a five miles from the hotel even to get to I-75. And when I got in the car, I said, oh, I'm going to trick the system. This time I'm going to call and go through a different different um, queue. And the queue that I chose was the one most likely to get me fast attention was if you've been broken down along the highway and you've got something wrong with your Hertz rental. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Figuring I, so I would get a hold of a real person and say, by the way, I really don't have that problem. But now that I've got you on the phone, can I talk to a real person? <laughs> nope. Click. <laughs> but even that, even that queue did not solve my problem. It did not direct me to any actual person. It was entirely automated, which made me think, wow, it's a good thing I was not really in an urgent situation along the road or had been in a wreck because it just forces you to call 911. Um, and it became apparent to me that the automated system, as you know, anybody that's been involved with automated phone calls um, anywhere and everywhere, it's very, very challenging to maintain your composure um, when you're trying to get a hold of someone and all you get is repeated automation. So <clears throat> as I'm dealing with this, I'm, I'm about halfway up I-75 to the airport and then all of a sudden all of that traffic that I told you that we saw going north when we were coming south, I was stuck in that traffic. I'm like, oh. <laughs> now I'm, I'm committed I'm in the traffic, but I'm going – it never stopped, but I was going about 20 miles an hour instead of 75 or 80. And I'm crawling along. And then I realized, by the way, that I don't even have my lights on because you know how lights in cars – my car, it's automated. So mm -hmm. daylight – your, your lights are automated? Yeah, my <laughs> lights are automated, yes. That's a good thing. I'll get it. Um, I, don't have to, I don't have to worry about turning on my lights. Because we're talking about automated calls. But – my lights were off, but the sun was just setting, and so I didn't know my lights were off. Yeah. And I'm driving with a bunch of traffic that has its lights on, so I didn't know. But then a guy comes right up behind me and flashes his lights. I first thought it was a police car. Then I realized, oh, yeah, it's really dark here on my dashboard. Funny thing is about two seconds later, I saw somebody else go buzzing by me without his lights on, too. Hmm. Anyway, get to, the, get to the airport. Long story short here. I get to the airport and um, recognize pretty quickly that – my jacket's not going to be gone. Because when I walked onto the Hertz property, I immediately looked to where that white car was and it was gone. Mm -hmm. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Praying that perhaps the person who took the car saw my jacket first, gave it to Lost and Found. But when I got to the desk and, and met with the people behind the desk, they said, no, nope. not to our knowledge. We didn't see it. And they were different people that were there even just two hours previous. Although he did see some man walking, leaving the airport premises in a curiously sized bin search. <laughs> <laughs> No. Curiously familiar, I should say. <clears throat> Curiously sized sounds like I'm like saying you're fat or something. <laughs> so we're really skinny. I, I think that as I'm doing this, 
as I said before we started this, since God created everything, and we've talked about this a lot, and if God is is the maker of all things and he knows all things and is in control of all things and holds everything together by the counsel of his will, I kept thinking to myself, okay, why did God allow this to happen? What's he trying to reveal to me um, from this little, little event? And it wasn't until I was explaining it again to my wife a couple of days later, actually on a return home, that it all became um, crystal clear uh, what what I think uh, was going on, or certainly one of the ideas that I had. So you might recall from one of our early episodes how we've spoken about how the world pretends to be God. We had the one episode, Superman on the Couch. We've had other episodes where the topic has been about the pretensions of the world. And they don't always pretend in word. Sometimes it's pretending in action, the things they do. The world loves to employ, for example, technology to globalize its power for profit. And in doing this, the world boasts of the speed and efficiency with which their, quote, globalized infrastructure can make your life easier and more convenient. Whether it's access to money, uh, tickets for events, banking, credit card transactions, and even buying cars online. Yes, you can buy your cars online. Did you know that? Shop Carvana and say, yeah. <laughs> I probably, can it's I true. But despite its pretensions, the world's actually unable to match the power of God, isn't it? Or, or I should say, is, is the world able to match the power of God? Leading the witness. <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely not. You're allowed to lead the witness when you're cross-examining the witness. Yes. You're not allowed to lead the witness when it is your witness. No, not even close, right? Mm -hmm. Despite its ability to establish a computerized system to capture millions of telephone calls at once and to route them into different queues, the much-vaunted system of Hertz in this case, but other businesses as well, is entirely automated and unable to personally respond to anyone. Indeed, it seems as though the entire exercise and system is designed to discourage you from seeking help and encourage you to quit and not bother them. So I wanted to ask our icebergs, have you ever had an experience like this? Um, I know you're not adults yet, but have you ever had an experience or have you had a member of your family, a parent, a sibling um, run into this? And I wanted to um, talk to you about that. Roger? Uh, yeah, this occurred to me, something similar uh, most recently. This is a bit of a different situation. I was signing up for an AP exam and I'm homeschooled. And they didn't have an option for homeschool. But I wasn't able to, you know, continue on the website without putting in a school. And I couldn't just type in Rockle Schmuckle School. I had to actually put in a real school. And it took me, like, you know, just trying to figure out. Eventually, I found, like, a little checkbox in the bottom bottom corner, which, like, it said, like, I couldn't find my school. But it just took me a while. And it wasn't very easy, you know, to select homeschool or anything like that. So that was a, um, yeah, it was very impersonal. And ironically... It forces you to lie, right? Yeah, because I know they, where they, my school is. I just had to check the box which said I couldn't find my school yeah. to get through. There just, wasn't even other? There wasn't even other, no. Yeah, mm. done, obviously, <clears throat> on purpose or with such ignorance of the now. I mean, prior to 2020, there were over 3 million homeschoolers in America. That's 1% of the population. That's not insignificant. Um, I think that number is up significantly in mm -hmm. the last two years, even though some of those are just people who basically do government school in their homes. But homeschool in general has increased dramatically. So it's not an insignificant part of the population. So 
either it was done on purpose because people, you know, who, who design these tests, they have a an, an agenda, agenda against yeah. homeschoolers or at, at a minimum are very ignorant to that fact. Somebody else want to speak into yeah. an issue? Or just being on a website or a call and it just cuts out or there's too many people on the website and it can't even handle it. So it cuts you out. And when that happens, are you allowed to get back in line where you were? No, you got to go all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> all the way back to the beginning. And no one's there to apologize? Oh, surprisingly not. <laughs> the computer doesn't say... The passive aggressiveness here. <laughs> the computer doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll let you back in line. Right? You can't even have that conversation uh, with the computer. So frustrating. <laughs> and by the way, I had another incident with Hertz when um, I was calling to cancel a Hertz reservation... And it kept routing me through the website to cancel it. And I was driving, so I couldn't go through the website. And I'm trying to hit every number on the phone to get me to a real person. I did, in that instance, finally get to a, a person, but it wasn't a local person. It was a Indian from India, 13,000 miles away from the United States. So at that point, and, and the first thing this guy said to me on the phone was, well, you know, this would be quicker if you went through the website. I wanted to scream. I'm like, but I'm driving. I can't do the website. And I need to get this done quickly. Mm-hmm. I think my plane was scheduled. The plane, the flight that I'd canceled was scheduled to arrive in about an hour from when I was making this call. And if I didn't cancel it before that, then I would have been charged and for, for that not picking particular, my car. Yeah, and that particular day we had tried to do the – I was – what? No, no, you can – we, we doesn't the audience know we're related? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not related to Roger. Rog, Roger. Okay. My brother Blow, blow it again. Roger. That is. Oh, my God. Oh, man. It's all out there now, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. That's horrible. All right. Um, go ahead, Roger. Tell me what happened. I was going to say, I was there with you that day, and we had tried to do it online. There. Before we had done the call, we had tried it online, and it wasn't working anyway, so... It was like the right. call was our only option. And the call said, oh, go back online. Yeah. So I also explained to him. Or, oh, I said, the reason I'm calling you, you know, not only because we're driving, but because you're online, it kept kicking me back to the same. Like it would say, now hit next, right? And next kept sending me back to the prior page. Penelope. Did you? Yeah, I've experienced, um, not myself, but similar situation. I don't know all the details because I kind of forget. But one time while driving with my sister, um, I think it was last summer, we she was trying to figure out something to do with her credit card. I think it was like updating it or I don't know. I don't really know much about credit cards. But she had to get on the phone with an automated service. Is that? Mm-hmm. Um, and we were on the phone on hold for like, 20 minutes or something 10 to 20 minutes I, I think it was the latter just I think it had like music in the background it wasn't like just on like the boo, but we were literally just driving in the car for like so long and just like uh, I wonder when they'll pick up and she had to like do this consistently like a couple days in a row or like every couple of days to see if they would ever pick up because she was it was like the simplest thing that she had to get done just to be like I'm updating my card for this and they'd just be like oh okay great but because we were on hold it took up so much time just to get to that part just to change was, an address or to change it yeah, yeah I think it was her address address yeah it's it's frustrating and I think that that's that's kind of the key what, what we're going to do today we're going to instead of doing questions in the next section we're going to come back and, and address this from a uh, biblical perspective. But 
I want to contrast the triune God of Scripture, which, as Acts 17.28 says, right, God is the one in whom we live and move and have our being, the God who created and governs the universe. He doesn't require a massive computer automated system, does he? No. No. No, he's so personally involved in each of our lives as to know even the very numbers of hairs on our head. So when we get back from our commercial break, we're going to enter that discussion and and read some scripture to be able to address this. Who is God and why is he so different than the um, than the computer systems that the world likes to use? So when we return, we'll do that. We'll have our icebergs read some scripture and um, wrap up this topic on hurts and what it says about automation. This is Jesus and the Meteorologists. So I wrote a little book all the way back in 2009 to address what was happening in America and what was likely to happen if we did not take corrective action. Unfortunately, too many of my predictions are coming true. The only surprise is the speed at which we have reached the precipice. The title of that little book is The Experts, and you can buy it on our webpage. Just go to JesusAndTheMeteorologist.com, click the image of the little brown book, and we'll send it to you for only $9.99. And then be sure to let me know what you think. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologists. My name is Kevin Kukaji, and I'm your host. If you would like to call into the program, because we've called some of our icebergs lately, and they they have school. Imagine that. College students in class can't call into the program. Talk about getting your priorities backwards. Now, if you want to call into the program and participate with us on a future episode, let us know. You can email your request to questions at icebergsnotsnowflakes.com. And uh, if you don't hear a quick reply, forgive us. We've had a little email issue with our producer um, not having access to it. So stand by. We'll get around to it. Okay, rather than doing questions today, which we normally do, I want to finish up our conversation about this little run-in that I had with Hertz because it explained to me and revealed to me about the difference between the true power of God and the pretended power of the world. And, um, you know, God. The, the, one of the main differences, as, as Winnie, I think, pointed out when we were talking about this earlier, what is the main difference between the even if you took the world's power as being anywhere close to God's, which it's not, but even if you said okay they they can they can move mountains with their technology, what is the the most important part about the world's playing God that is absent? There's no like there's no personal contact with this. Yeah. It's just yeah. all automated, or even takes like hours to get on the phone with a person who doesn't even want to talk to you. That's right. So yeah. contrast this impersonal, right? The the only way the world can exert power and control and even provide a quote-unquote global solution to everybody is if they automate and if they take the person out of it, right? So if you take the person out of it, it becomes very – well, not just impersonal, but it can become very frustrating – you feel like a machine or a widget, right, rather than a person. And yeah, I think you're definitely it, a number or a name on a page. Yeah, you're a number or name on a page, and and when you're treated as a number or a name on a page, you lose the most. 
you have to ask the question, what is the point, right? If you, if you remove the person and it's only, we, be, we just become impersonal or inanimate objects, then we're no different than a number. We're no different than a widget. We're no different than an animal. But clearly that's not how we were created. The very fact that we get frustrated about it proves sure. that we were mm-hmm. created personally. I want to read some scripture, and our icebergs have lined it up, that um, addresses this very thing that, by contrast, shows us how personal God is. Winnie, why don't you start reading from Luke 12, and this is 12 verses 6 through 8. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why? Even the hairs of your heads are all numbered. Fear not, for you are more valued than many sparrows. Okay. So... We're valued more than sparrows. God makes a distinction between his children and the birds, right? Very personal in that. Let's, let's, let's take the same discussion where Jesus talks about it, but as Matthew has captured it in Matthew 10. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are numbered, are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Okay, so why why does Jesus say, why does he tell us are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them fall to the ground outside your father's care? What What is the point he's trying to make? That their their value is so little, their value is so low, but like even... Well, their value is so low to whom? To man. To, to man, right? Yeah. But not to God, right? But not to God, because they're all... None of them. Not one is forgotten. Yeah. So even so here let's let's contrast this with Hertz. I'm a paying customer at Hertz who had just picked up a car two hours before and already I'm just a number. I mean, they don't even know that I'm trying to get a hold of them. Do I need a computer to get a hold of God? No. no. Do I need a telephone to get a hold of God? No. Nope. Thank, thank no. God. <laughs> yeah. But God is telling us that here are two sparrows that, humanly speaking, are worth nothing. Yeah. Right? Yet even those things, those insignificant things, cannot die and disappear without God knowing exactly what is happening to them. Right? Mm-hmm. But why does God say that he's in, what's God's point in emphasizing how he knows about and cares about the sparrow? Well, because he's saying how he knows and cares about us. He's saying if he, if he knows and cares about even the smallest things, how much more does he know and care about us? Exactly. It's that contrast. He says, I even care about things that are insignificant to you and about which the world could never be concerned about, never know about. He said, I know about all those things. And I even know how many pieces of hair you have growing out of your head, <laughs> which is amazing because that's not a fixed number, right? No. Every day you're losing hair and you've got more hair growing. His point then, he ends that passage with, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now I want to read a longer passage, or I'll have Roger read this passage from Matthew 6. It kind of encapsulates the entirety of God's very personal concern for us and why it's important. Yeah, so this is from Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly uh, heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You notice how God even has the capacity to tell us that each day has enough trouble of its own. The fact that he's speaking to us about something very personal, right? All of the basics that we need for life, what we wear, what we drink, what we eat. He tells us not only that he'll take care of them, but he also tells us not to worry about them, right? Very personal interaction. This isn't just God dealing with us. Again, I ask, have you ever had an account, an encounter, whether you're buying something online, um, whether you're watching your parents deal with a a phone uh, call center trying to solve a problem? Have have you ever had any kind of personal interaction with an automated service? No, not at all. And this is such a contrast. Like even in stuff that we do in our daily worship, too. Like in the Lord's Prayer. This is from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It's question 100, Mm -hmm. talking about the preface of the Lord's Prayer, um, which is, Our Father, which art in heaven. It says, quote, "Um, To teach us to draw near to God with all holy reverence and confidence as children to a father, able and willing to help us, and that we should pray with and for others. And this is exactly what the world is trying to, like, tear apart just to make everyone faceless and treated as a number. Which is a good point, Winnie. Even the the use of we, – we hear these companies now talking about expanding their ability to automate by use of artificial intelligence. And they profess that, well, the artificial intelligence is more able to be responsive to these personal things. But as you experience, artificial intelligence, first of all – this is another conversation – But it presumes that we are made the way that God ordered us, right? They have to presume that tomorrow is going to be reflective of what yesterday was and that the future looks like the past when you're creating Exactly, because it's all all based on data. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't actually think for itself as much as it relies on what's happened in the past to predict the future. Right. And you can't do that unless the world is ordered the way that God orders it. There's no... There's no basis of taking that data and creating a forward-thinking system, if you can say thinking, unless the future is going to resemble the past. Exactly. So already they're stealing from the way that God has ordered the world in order to rebel against it. But in that system, no matter how responsive a system is, as you faced with signing up for your AP examination, at some point there isn't a category. And I've had that happen when I've tried to return a product. I had an issue with – I might have talked about it before here, but I had an issue with a battery once at Home Depot that never got delivered to me. And yet the software was telling me – was asking me, how was your customer service? How was customer service and how was your delivery? And I tried to answer. I never received it. And it said, that's not, <laughs> that's not a category of answer that you can give in this little box. 
but I didn't receive it. Sorry, fill out the card, you know, fill out the little box the right way and then we'll reply. So they had preset conditions that didn't apply. All to say, it makes it very frustrating and would be, be incredibly difficult if God were that way. So the one thing that this process revealed to me and I want to convey is that by contrast, it reminded me that the world can never be God, no matter how much it tries, the world can't come close to God. My little encounter, it hurts, despite the frustration and the inconvenience of the impersonal, certainly incompetent, unhelpful, and discouraging automated globalized service revealed, by its contrast, the incapacity of man, despite all of his pretensions, to ever come anywhere close to the power of God in Christ, who is not merely the great and powerful, the beautiful, all-knowing, all-encompassing, all-sufficient, incomprehensible Christ, but who is so intimately personal in nature as to be attentive to the smallest and seemingly insignificant detail of knowing the fate of every bird as well as the number of hairs on the head of every person. And you don't need a telephone or a computer to access the God of the universe. Mm. The eternal tools of communication with the one who created us are built into us, into our minds, our hearts, our lips, our tongues, none of which would depend upon battery power, cell towers, right? Cry out to the Lord, confess his name, and place your burdens on him. Unlike Hertz, who can offer only a temporary place in the queue amidst endless discomforting pre-recorded female voices telling you what buttons to push next, God promises life eternal. That's all the time we have today, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again to our icebergs for their participation, our producer, Rachel, despite the trouble with the email and phone, and to all of our listeners and supporters. In the never-ending battle for hearts and minds, we aim to find and develop young men and women who, like the men of Issachar, understand the times and who know what to do. And how can we know what we're to do unless we believe what, what is, is true? true? My name is Kevin Kukichi, and you've been listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. Jesus and the Meteorologists.